mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 88. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Urquiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And we are here today to talk about some math picture books. This yay! Is, yay! I'm pretty excited. Um, I think we've had an episode about picture, that we've talked about picture books before. So while I do my intro, Jay's going to figure out which episode that is. Sorry, okay. I didn't give you a prep ahead of time. Yeah. Um, but this episode is happening because of, well, I guess really what's happening at my school. Um, because of the CARES Act and because we are not full-time in the building spending a lot of money there is there is money to be spent at our school right now and and there is sort of a deadline like come on what do you want to spend it on or else we lose it and so I was um, given the chance by my principal and assistant principal to buy some math picture books which is super exciting to kind of increase our library I I felt like I had a a fairly good stash and we have some in our library Um, but they were like hey, spend some money on on this because it's a useful um, tool in the classroom. And our our building, which I feel this is like a common thing in a lot of schools, there's really a focus on on improving reading instruction right now, this particular year. And our our school is working um, especially on building a culture of reading and 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 the science of reading. And so getting, books to pair with math just made a whole lot of sense. So I have an enormous stack of new picture books in my room and I'm I'm currently working on figuring out how to organize them so that they'll be useful for teachers and when somebody asks me for a book I'll know where to look for the one I want. Um, so we thought we would share some of the books that we were that I was going through. Some of them are um, very new books and some of them I picked and gave to Ruth for what some of the things she's going to be working on in class soon. So there's a whole um, wide array of biography, math, math, mathematician biographies and books for little kids and big kids and everything in between. Anybody want to say anything before we just jump right in and start talking about our favorites? I think it's awesome that we I was got these books last night and we are discussing them this morning and <laughs> Jay has jumped in and he has read picture books. Yeah. So he is gonna contribute as much as Tracy and I in this one. I love it. Which is We're glad you're joining us. Pretty awesome well, for sure. Thank you. I don't know what the episode was called about picture books before. Okay. So I know we talked about spaghetti and meatballs. So if you want to search oh, that, you might find it. And meatballs. <laughs> he'll he'll have that inf- information in a minute, and he won't listen to anything we're saying between now and then. <laughs> Not in the meantime. Okay, great. All right, so I will start with one called "Baby Goes to Market," and this is by an author. Um, we apologize in the very beginning for mispronouncing people's names. Um, <laughs> Uh, and some of them I tried to look up, but I didn't um, I find it. this one. Oh, okay, go ahead. Which one? It's the um, I think it's the one we'll drive home backwards, episode forty-three. Okay, great. So if you want to hear some more of our classic favorites, um, go to episode forty-three. Okay, so the author's name is uh, Atinuk or Atinuke, maybe, and it's illustrated by Angela Brooks Bank, and this is a. Um, fairly new book but not brand new it was published in 2017 
And the author, I've um, noted, is a Nigerian storyteller and is also the author of Anna Hibiscus series, which I I've, am seeing a lot lately. Um, and yeah, the, uh, the illustrator grew up in Africa, in Ghana, and Nigeria. So I think that's really cool. I think it's cool to let our kids know who wrote the books too. So Baby Goes to Market is set clearly set in Africa and there is a mom with a baby tied to her back and she is um they are going to the market and the baby um is just really curious and is catching everyone's attention as they go through the market and so people in the market give the baby stuff and um, every time it's so at the beginning baby gets six bananas from the banana seller and it says baby eats one and puts the other five in her basket which the basket is on the mom's head Um, and then next the baby gets five oranges eats one orange and puts the rest on the mom's head and then the baby gets four hold on um biscuits eats one puts one on the on the mom's head and the you know does the mom actually do any shopping um, or is it just the baby throwing his leftovers I, up there? I don't. I mean, you get the idea that the baby, the mom's doing some shopping. Yes, okay. but I guess so. I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. She, the mom re- <laughs> realizes her hat didn't run out of space. Yeah, exactly. So she gets at the. You get to the towards the end, and the mom takes her basket down and is like, "What is this? There's five bananas and four oranges, three biscuits, two corns, one piece of coconut, and I did not buy these." And then all of the um, sellers sort of come to the baby's defense and like, "Yeah, you didn't." And they all said, "We gave those things to the baby." Um, and so then the mom just laughs and says, what a good baby. So, uh-huh, baby. yeah, it, it was so, so the things I like about it, first of all, that um, is a book with real people with a real situation. You know, it's not super contrived. Like I feel like a lot of math picture books are, um, I guess it is fake. It's a, that, it's a little contrived. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it's, it's, it's not, it, it, it didn't have to work too hard. Right. Yeah. Um, I like that there's a pattern. We we think about how pat we like I feel like because working with teachers they get that patterns are a b a b a b or a b b or you know a repeating thing and there's this pattern two patterns happening. The there's the market sellers are giving her one less every time. So first it was six things, mm. then she got five yeah. things, then she got four things. And then there's also the pattern of the baby eating one every time, you know? And and that's that's something I really think even little tiny kids could notice. You know, you could predict how many things do you think she's going to get next and how many is she going to be left with? And I think they would see that. Um, you know, that's funny because if I were to show my students a pattern that said like, six, five, four, and ask them what comes next. I promise you a majority, or not a majority, some of my class would say six because six, five, four, mm. six, five, four. Yeah. Like they just expect it to uh, repeat, repeat even if it's not, you know, there's no yeah. sign that that pattern would repeat. It just says what comes next. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I, was, I think that's just because that's what we talk patterns are. They repeat. Yep. Hmm. I was saying it's a good thing that they only gave the baby food. What do you mean? <laughs> well, if he ate something that you're not supposed to eat. Yeah, that's and true. Throw it up in the basket. Yeah, <laughs> you're exactly right. Um, 
So I feel like you could use this book for patterns. You could use this book for just counting, you know. You could use this book for subtraction, like subtracting one. That's that's something that I think probably first grade focuses on. Um, the pictures are really beautiful. Uh, I was about to say, it's very colorful and, and busy. Yeah. And some of the pages are just chocked full of like, you know, uh, illustrations of people in the market. And it's very colorful. I mean, it's it's not... That's not a bad busy. It's just there's a lot going on in the pictures. Yeah. Um, and I also feel like, you know, the connection to Africa is really cool. Mm-hmm. Learn, You know, you can you can learn about the context from just from the pictures, too. Looking at it from here afar. Yeah. I like that it's big. Yeah. Because you could read it in the front of the classroom mm-hmm. and the kids wouldn't feel like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes when you read a book. You feel like they have to all be right in front of you so they can see the pictures. Yeah, it is a big, it is a big picture book. So I highly recommend this one. Uh, it was, it, it it also reminds me a little bit of like a, a the function machine idea. You know, mm-hmm. I know that that's a bigger kid idea, but how the how the numbers change. So you you put some in, and then the number that comes out is is minus one every time. You gotcha. Know? You could you could introduce that even for, even to bigger kids with this book, the function machine idea. How many and the and the first column would be how many the baby got and the second column would be how many went in the basket. You know, real life example. Okay, check it out. Baby goes to market. Baby goes to market. Go ahead, Ruth. All right. So, mine is multiplying menace. It's the revenge of Rumpelstiltskin, and it's written by Pam Calvert, which it looks like. She has been around. She's done a lot of math books. If I look in the back of it, they're called Charles Bridge Math Adventures. And a lot of the circumference ones that we've talked about in the past are in here. Um, But this one, the pictures are very similar to the circumference series because they were illustrated by the same person. Okay. So Wayne Gehan is the illustrator. The synopsis of this story is that Rumpelstiltskin is back um, to Peter. Peter is a little boy who apparently owes Rumpelstiltskin something. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I don't remember the little boy in the first story to know if his name is Peter. But he shows up at Peter's birthday party with a stick and says, Peter has to come with me. And he begins to... Um, oh, the first he takes the stick at the guards and says, guards times one tenth. And only two guards are left and the other 18 are gone. And then he just begins to wreak havoc on the kingdom. So the mice in the flower bins, there's hundreds of them there the next day. And then his dad ends up with six noses and the only way that he can save his kingdom is to go with Rumpelstiltskin so he goes back to Rumpelstiltskin's little cabin and sees that Rumpelstiltskin multiplies the wood that he's putting in the fireplace and then he multiplies the pies that they're having for dinner and then he takes a nap and when he takes a nap Peter finds his stick and sees that there is an X on the end of it and experiments back at the cabin to make sure he knows how to do it. And he goes back to the kingdom and he does 
he multiplies it by a fraction every time it's been multiplied by a whole number. Mm -hmm. So he multiplies his dad's nose by one sixth. And now his dad only has one nose. And there's a little boy stuck um, in the middle of the river on stones because Rumpelstiltskin multiplied the stones by one third and some of them went away. (laughs) So he multiplies them by three to make them go back. So I think the way that I would use this in my classroom is produce some kind of a table where it just says the dad's, the king's nose and the flower and the guards and let them keep track of what happens. And then they could go back and write the rest of the story because it doesn't it doesn't go in this methodical order of and then he did this and then he because this was times 10, he multiplied it times one tenth. So there's a lot that you see happen that you don't per se see him undo, which makes the book a really good jumping off point for um, multiplying fractions. And then there is a little poem that he spreads through um, the kingdom that says, times a whole will make you many, times a fraction leaves hardly any, times a zero will leave no one. Multiplying menace is on the run. Cool. So that's how the story ended. I forgot that part. He used the stick at Rumpelstiltskin and said, time zero. And Rumpelstiltskin went away. Dang. So That's good. Yeah. Forgot the ending. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I was super excited about that one. And it's such a – every year when we get to multiplying by a decimal or multiply by a fraction, I remember my fourth graders being like, especially bothered by it you know like I remember this one particular kid who was like I don't understand why is it bigger and I I tried and lots of different things to explain it and they just they just were like I'm not going to accept it I'm not going to accept it (laughs) and so I think this could be a cool another thing to try to help them kind of visualize it and that whole do and undo thing that's really that's really cool one of our standards is about the identity property well no I'm not sure that's what it's called. Um, but how like six times one six equals one. Is that the ident- identity? That's not the identity. No. That's the uh, multiplicative inverse. There, That's what I was looking for. So one of our standards in fifth grade is about that. So this would be a really cool way to attack that in fifth grade. So else. Multiplication inverse. Multiplicative inverse. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, there's a um, sequel to Multiplying Menace called Ooh. Multiplying Menace Divides. Oh, I don't have that one. Well, cool. Yeah. You should. Do you, does it, is it about fractions, division? Can you well, tell? Well, I guess it's about division. It said divides right oh, in the title. You might have to find that, Ruth. Yeah, I might. And it's not even listed in the back of this one. Well, a lot of times the sequel hasn't been written when the original comes out. Good point. All right. You ready for... Jay and Prophet. it was like five years later, so. Yeah. All right, let's hear what okay. you got there, Jay Prophet. All right, my first book was called Dirt Cheap by Mark Hoffman. Um, yeah, it was, uh, the story was about this uh, young girl. I'm trying to remember her name now, so let me open up the book like everybody else did and read through it. <laughs> Birdie, that was her name. Birdie wants a soccer ball. She really wants this glorious soccer ball that she sees in the store. But the said soccer ball costs, I think it's funny, 
you know, she realizes, oh, she needs money to buy the soccer ball. And the soccer ball doesn't cost like $10 or $15, like a regular math problem, like, well, like a, an easy math problem. The soccer ball costs twenty four ninety five. <laughs> I just think it's funny how they like make it exact, like, yeah, like, well, like a real price you'd see on the sticker, not like it's $5. Right. Um, so Bertie's got to figure out how to get some money so she can buy this. So the narrator is talking to her. Uh, and I don't know the narrators. I don't think I'm pretty sure it's not her father or her any parent, judging by the story later. Um, <laughs> says, "Well, maybe you can sell some of your stuff." And she's like, "Okay, fine." So she pulls out a bunch of old junk and has a yard sale, and nobody wants her old junk at the yard sale. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, so she says, "There must be something I have that other people need." And then she realizes her yard has a lot of dirt. So she decides, "Well, I'm gonna bag up dirt and sell it." So she gets this big bag of dirt and sells it for $25. And, of course, nobody's going to buy her dirt for $25. They say that is too much for that bag of dirt. Yeah. Um, so she changes the sign from $25 dirt bag to dirt cheap, cheap dirt, um, and starts selling her dirt at $0.25 cents a bag. Well, all of a sudden, people come out of the woodwork trying to buy some dirt from this girl. And it was ridiculous how many people wanted to buy a bag of dirt from this girl. Um, but first, the guy comes, there's this, another another child comes up and says, oh, great. I want some dirt. I have five nickels. And she goes, oh, man. Like, she doesn't realize that that's 25 cents. She thinks that's not the right. And the narrator's like, there's more than one way to make 25 cents. And so, okay, cool. And so she sells dirt. And then all of a sudden, everybody is buying dirt from this girl. Um, and so they, they walk away. And, and one of the uh, pictures shows, like, these hands of all the people buying dirt coming in, like, from all around the page. So all you see is a bunch of hands and a bunch of different ways to make up 25 cents in their hands. So it says, you know, it's got, you can see it, and it's listed, like, Five pennies, four nickels, three nickels, ten pennies, two dimes, one nickel, one quarter, 25 pennies, one dime. Anyway, so one of the things it definitely shows is, um, you know, not, not making change, but multiple ways to make up the same amount. I don't know what you call that. Maybe equivalencies. Okay. I call it coin combinations. That's perfect, too. Um, so you that's that's one of the, the biggest things it learns. I mean, one of the biggest, like really easy tangible skills that you learn so right away she's excited and you think the story's over because she's got her 24.95 she takes a big sack of coins to the store to buy her soccer ball which is funny because you see a picture of the like the guy at the store's face with a big she throws <laughs> all these coins up on the counter <laughs> and um so she gets her her soccer ball takes it back home she's so excited and and the guy at the shop says, I used to play soccer. Um, or, I, I, yeah, I used to love playing soccer in my yard. Have fun, kid. And then she goes, yard? And then you see a picture of her house, and you realize she's dug up her entire yard to <laughs> uh, sell. So now she has a soccer ball and no yard. Like, a huge, like, moat around her house full of nothing. <laughs> um, so then she goes, hmm, now i got to buy some dirt. So she goes to the store, and they won't buy her cheap dirt at the store because at the store they sell expensive dirt so she starts doing lawn care she gets an idea she's going to fix everybody's yard because now everybody has bought her dirt to go use in their yard so she runs around and does all this lawn care stuff for people to make money back to buy dirt to give herself a yard again 
Um, and then she loves playing with her soccer ball. So really, it teaches uh, just just start with a lawn care, guys. Yeah. Just find a job that doesn't require you selling your dirt. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, but there's you know there's a, there's a lot of things at the beginning, kind of um, find an appropriate price. And I don't know if that's something you can think of, like, uh, you know, she tried to sell her dirt for $25 and that's, you know, that's not going to fly. And uh, also scaling, like, um, maybe not scaling, but like uh, you could sell one bag at 25, but that's not going to happen. But maybe you could sell a hundred bags at 25 cents and, yeah. and get there in ways to in ways to make that work. So I was writing these questions down so I could use that for decimal division because that was my first question. And then when you said that there is a picture with all of the hands. Yes. Like for to just project that picture and say, how many of these hands do you need to get $25? Which you could figure it out by counting hands, but you could also find the pattern and know that it takes 100. So... That's a cool way for me. I just put it on my list of decimal division. And I just went to Safari or Amazon and ordered multiplying business dividing. <laughs> awesome. So I can use these to introduce my next two units. Yeah. What a good um, – I'm realizing right already that all these books that I thought – okay, that's like – when I picked them and brought them home, I thought Baby Goes to Market is, you know, like a first grade or below book. And I was thinking that one, I probably thought third grade or second, I don't know, second or third because of the like equivalent coin values. Right. But it's cool how if you think about them some more, they have upper grade um, content too. I, I was immediately thinking, oh, how many bags of dirt is she going to have to sell to get the $25? Yeah, the ones I looked at, this one was definitely the best um, story. Like it was, it, the story was, it was, you know, fun to read the story with even not thinking about the math. Yeah. And it wasn't, a, there's another one that's maybe a little more, a little more primary story. Um, but this, you know, it was, it was, it was something that, that I think they would enjoy even if you weren't trying to teach them the math. Yeah. Some of these are definitely a little heavy handed on the math or, on the, what they're trying to teach you, um, but this one was this one was fun just because. Yeah, when they when they include humor that you are laughing at just anyway, that's yeah, that's fun. Anything else you want to say about that one, Ruth? No, tell me what the name of that is again. Dirt cheap. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. By Mark Hoffman. Um, this next one, I am going to let you know that it's not a picture book, and that's okay. Um, this is the Beast Academy Puzzles Level Three book, and I heard Looks about like one of those workbooks. It is a, it is kind of like a workbook, yes. So I heard about this from Kent Haynes and his um, blog that he writes, and the Beast Academy is a, it's it's a part of AOPS Incorporated, which I don't know what that stands for. Oh, art, art of problem solving. And they um, they do create a series of workbooks that I think are kind of meant to be like a kind of like a curriculum. I'm not really sure about the details, but they have these whole like learning learning sets of workbooks. And I think they are maybe focused on like second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, uh, not necessarily primary. Um, 
but this is particularly their puzzle book. And I know there's a level two and level three puzzle book, which I'm assuming is like second grade and third grade puzzle books. Um, and it's just laid out so perfectly. I love how the format of how the person wrote this book. So I'll kind of explain how that goes and then tell you about some of the puzzles. Um, it has a page, so there's like maybe 10 or 12 different kinds of puzzles in this book, uh, somewhere around there, 10 or 12. And um, yeah, 12 different t types of puzzles. And when you get to the first type, like the first type is angle mazes, and there's a page that ex gives the directions. And I'm going to admit to you, every time I read the directions, and I'm like, what the heck? What does that mean? <laughs> but then <laughs> right beside that, they walk you through solving an example puzzle. So having the directions right beside a sample puzzle is super helpful. And I usually am learning it from the sample puzzle. And then it on the, what <laughs> the top of that is there's, there's like a little character of the speech bubble and the speech bubble should be like wondering what the heck that means. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so then on the opposite page, it starts and gives you an even simpler puzzle to start with than the sample puzzle. And there's, you know, like four to six puzzles on each page. And then they, they increasingly get harder and there are um, 20 nope this one has this one has 28 of that particular wow. kind of puzzle and they get harder and harder and harder with four or five or six on a page and then the pages are marked with the difficulty with stars of how hard they are and then after that are several pages of like the strategy of how to how to get good at that kind of puzzle. So, and then also in the back, they do have the solutions. So I love all the things that are built in the book to help you actually want to like tackle Is it. that supposed to be a student workbook or a teacher workbook? This is meant to be a student workbook. Because it was, I think it was interesting, like the strategies right away, but not the answers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've looked through the first several kinds of puzzles and they're just they're just cool. Um, the first one is about angles, and you're trying to make a path through this design using the kinds of angle turns that are listed in the order that's listed. So, I mean, don't you feel like you get to teaching types of angles, and you're like, what the heck kind of um, extension am I going to do here? Right. You know, like past this is acute this is right this obtuse like uh what else this is really cool to like try to find a turn that's a certain kind of um certain kind of angle the second set was um using pieces that look kind of like pentominoes like squares that are attached together for and the rest of us that's called tetris pieces right okay yep that's right um I, that one wasn't my favorite, but that's okay. Connect the critters is what it's called, and you're trying to place them in order to make all of the animals in the picture touch each other. This one has a lot more puzzles. I want 34 puzzles in that particular one. Okay, the next one, skip counting paths. I really liked this one. You were um, finding paths through this puzzle that were, that were skip counting, and, they, and the paths have to be multiples of the number that you're skip counting by um so like the first one it has a four an eight a 12 and a 16 kind of all mixed up on the on a grid and you're trying to like figure out how can you connect four eight 12 and 16 without overlapping or like without making your path cross and sometimes fill the box up nope it's just okay. you're just drawing a path um so it's a good way to practice 
multiples and, and skip counting, that kind of thing. Um, so there's just so much I could say about it. I, I found several about area and perimeter that are really cool. Several about, um, I think, factors and multiples in here. I haven't made it all the way to the end. But I feel like um, they're just fun. Like, it makes me want to sit and solve all of them. But I, I do think it could be another... While I, while I think any kid should get a, a good task, and I think you could find some in here that could be a good task for any kid once they have the, kind of like an open middle problem, once you have enough to kind of get going, there's something in here that, that they could tackle. But I also think this could be a great resource for, I have this kid that needs a challenge, this, who likes a puzzle, this could be something that you could yeah. pull from. So. Um, That's good. Yeah. I I'm wishing that I was like in the room with you and could look through it. I know. Yeah. Sorry to all those people who are listening to us and feel that same way. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I am looking through and seeing something with fractions in here too. So checking out beast Academy puzzles are not that expensive. Um, I don't know. They were like 10 bucks, I think for the, for the book and they're the pictures or the puzzles it's in color. It's not, it's really, it's very appealing look to it. Okay. Go ahead, Ruth. All right. So, my next one is called The Most Important Mathematician You've Never Heard Of. And her name is... Tracy Profit. <laughs> yes! I mean, never. Nerther. I mean, sorry. No, Nerter. Not Nerther. Okay. It says it in the story oh. twice. Okay, It tells cool. you how to pronounce her name. Cool. Take um, that note all. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Might be. So, the whole idea behind the story is that she grew up when women were expected to stay at home and be gentle and quiet and cook and sew and get married and have kids and play the piano if they had a fancy family <laughs> and not be geniuses. And she was plain and she did not like cooking or sewing or other homemaking skills. She was a lousy piano player. She did not want to get married or have kids. And she was super terrific at puzzles and math. But nobody really noticed because she was a girl. And it's just so well written. It talks about how when she's 18, she um, was supposed to start teaching at a girl's school. And she didn't want to teach. So her dad was a professor at a local university and pulled some strings for her to be allowed to sit in his class. She wasn't allowed to take tests and she wasn't allowed to get a degree, but she could sit. And pretty soon, all of the men realized how smart she was, and they began to take her ideas and forgot to give her credit for her ideas. And it just continues to go on about um, how she thought she had, or they, everybody thought she had superpowers, and she actually was, I forget how they said it, um, it was Einstein who was alive at the same time that she was and his, um, the law of relativity. There was, this says she discovered that everyone had been looking at an area of space that was simply too small. And when she widened it to view the big picture, all of the holes in his law or in his theory became clear. Hmm. And so... She didn't, it says, everyone, including Einstein, was very impressed and grateful. The general theory of relativity had become super famous, and so had Albert Einstein, but not Emmy. Hmm. 
Cool. Um, and then she left in, where does it say? Oh, in 1933, the Nazis came to power in Germany and she had to leave. So she came to, um, oh, she had to flee the country, came to the United States. Albert Einstein tried to help her. And for the first time, she was able to begin her new career in a college. And she died shortly after that, before she, she got sick. And mm. she wasn't able to do a lot when she got here. So at the end, it talks about, so just who was she? And it says she was a loud lady, a great friend, super brainy, an inventor of more than two major ideas that of how we understand the universe. And she was a very important thinker. So... It, it was just, it's a really well-written story. And I like that in the back there is a note from the author where it's more just information about her. So this would be a great resource for a student to read a story and then really get to know this mathematician deeper. Cool. I like it. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Do you feel like there's a certain, t is it more like, for a student who wants to do research, or is there a certain time you would read it, a certain time or a certain reason you would read it and or include it in your class? Maybe I would read this when we talk about Einstein and Pi Day, or we're talking about just inventors in general. Um, I might even give it to my science teacher hmm. because she teaches a little bit of Einstein's um, law when she's doing astronomy. Okay. So... Maybe that's where I would go with it is introduce this when you introduced Einstein because they really did work together. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks. Your turn. Cool. All right. Um, I'm, you talked about her being a thinker, and that plays right into the one that I'm going to do next. Good transition. Called, thank you, called Seven Golden Rings, A Tale of Music and Math. I picked which, that for you. Which I think is stretching it just a little bit. But, <laughs> um, so this, this is a, a story about, and i got to find the, the, the character named Bagat. And he lives in a kingdom where the king loves music and loves embracing the arts, but is terrible at administration. So his kingdom, all the people in his kingdom are poor and don't have food and are, you know, other than those that are in the palace enjoying the sweet, sweet music, everybody else is having a bad day. Um, so, so along the way, Bagat and his lives with his, his mother and uh, they are like everyone else, pretty poor. And, but he is a singer. He loves singing. He loves music. Um, and one day he found something that gave him hope. And it was that the King was having open auditions for new uh, court musicians. Uh, so he goes to his mom and he goes, I want to travel to the capital, to the palace, to audition, to be one of these musicians. And like, his mom, like American Idol. The um, voice, something like that. Yeah, sure. Something like that. <laughs> okay. And so I was like, Bogat, I love you, but come on, you're pretty young. You're not going to make it, you know, come on. And he's like, no, 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 I got to do this. And she said, well, if you want to do it, um, she gave him her last, uh, her last coin, ruby, and a chain of seven rings. Kind of like she said it was a, the, the last piece of her uh, necklace, I guess, from like a dowry or, or something like that. And she says, take this with you um, and, you know, I wish you luck. But remember, you're not just a singer. You're also a thinker. And don't, you know, don't let 
make sure, you know, try to let the the king see all the things you can do, not just your singing. Cool. Yeah. So Bagat takes off into the countryside, walking, trying to find, apparently it's a long way to get to the capital or to the palace. Um, and this is one of two pages in which they actually talk about music more than just him being a singer. And they talk about um, beat subdivision, like a whole note and then two, two half notes and then four quarter notes. And you kind of see that uh, in a little pattern of his, like a little, not a poem, but like a little verbal thing he uses to, to for a pattern to, to make these, these note subdivisions. So he gets to the capital and he's got one coin, like a dollar and seven golden rings, which you find out quickly is not much. <laughs> um, so he wants to stay at this hotel, not a hotel. I'm sure they call it something like an inn. Yeah, inn. And the innkeeper says, that'll be so much money. And he's like, I got one. And they nope, nothing doing. And he said, but I do have all these gold rings. And all of a sudden, the innkeeper's wife barges in like, oh, well, we'll take the gold rings. Um, but the thing is, these gold rings are all connected. So there's seven of them connected. And they say one gold ring a night. And he says, well, can I just pay you at the end? Because if I give you all seven gold rings and I only stay one night, then I'm out. And like, nope, you got to pay along the way. So he's got to figure out some way to break these rings apart. So he finds a, a jeweler in town to break his rings apart. And the jeweler says, yeah, I'll break them all apart for five, uh, five coins. And he's like, I only got one. And the guy says, well, I'll only break one. And he's got to figure out then. And this is the interesting part for me is, uh, like problem solving, all of a sudden I realized he's got to figure out which ring to break to make the best combination of ones, twos, three, you know, to so that he can have the different, um, I guess, combinations of rings to be able to pay for any amount. Okay. Um, and so I, you know, they show they show the illustration of the rings, and he says, if I break the first one, then I just have a one and six. If I break the second one, then I have two ones. And a five. So, you know, and all of a sudden I stopped and tried to figure out which is the best one to break. Oh, cool. Um, and I was right. Yes. So I beat this uh, second grade book. <laughs> um, so he tells the guy to break the third ring. So he's got a single ring, two rings, and four rings. So with that combination, he can make anything one through seven. He's, so he's got a one. Say it again. A one. Has a one, a two, and a four. Okay. And so what he does is. He, each morning or each each night he has to pay the innkeeper one ring and he says you know he tells the innkeeper please don't sell this you know don't turn around and sell this right away and so the first day doesn't get called to go to the king he has to apparently sit around and wait to be called for his audition um i guess it's kind of like that giant room outside of uh the voice or right. you know, they all sit yeah. around talking to yeah. each other and tell um, your sappy story yeah tell your sappy story that's going to take up half of the show <laughs> So the first night gives it and it didn't done get called. So he goes back and says to the innkeeper, says, have that one back and I'll give you this too. And so there's this trading the whole time. So after, you know, before the third night, he hands him the one again. So he has three and he takes all those back and gives him the four. And then he gives him the four and then he gives him the one and he takes back the one, gives him the two. Finally. So he uses, ends up using all seven of the rings. Um, and that last day, of course, the king calls him to be his, uh, to audition and says, sorry, bud, you're not good enough. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like, oh, well, I'm okay. So he's like all, you know, downhearted and about to leave. And the innkeeper's wife runs in and said, you know, he might be a good singer, but he's a good thinker. And King, you know, this place is run lousy. Um, 
So why don't you hire him to be your, like, uh, basically in charge of the affairs and the, and financial administration and planning and that kind of stuff. And so that's what happens. They, he decides that, uh, he's not, not cut out to be a singer for the, for the, uh, kingdom, but can be, uh, in charge of like, I guess, you know, running the kingdom, the financial side of it. And so he and his mom get to live in the palace and enjoy a new career as the financial guy. I guess he sings along the way too. There's one other place where it does bring up the, I guess when he's sitting there waiting to be called, brings up the, um, the notes of division again. Um, but you know, there's problem solving. There's that. And apparently Bagot should have been practicing more during his seven days of sitting there waiting to be called. (laughs) Instead of thinking about all the math. Yeah. Cool. That sounds fun. It was good. I enjoyed this. The story I enjoyed, um, the the illustration it's of of you know an indian family mm-hmm. and um it was and i thought it was it was i you know it was it was not too much of a story it wasn't like they they added story to it it was yeah. a good amount for for what they were trying to get get across did you not name the author on purpose nope. i just didn't see it cuz that book was open earlier i didn't see the name seven golden rings a tale of music and math by rajani laroca Awesome. Any comments, Ruth? No, that was good. I just last night in my college class, I was trying to convince my music majors that math was important in music because <laughs> we were doing some like which one doesn't belong. And I made I purposely did some music notes. And then when the math ones came up, I felt like my music and art teachers were like, ooh. Yeah. Like, okay, we got to talk about this. You're allowed to like music and art, but you're not allowed to dislike math in front of your students. <laughs> yeah, good. So. If a math major has to be convinced that he, uh, if a music major has to be convinced that he needs math, he needs to rethink something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a that's, lot of math. That should not be something that you have to convince them at this point. Why don't you tell them that? <laughs> tell your tell your yeah, college sophomores that fact <laughs> right there. Cool. I, I kept wondering, I'll have to read that one and see if there's a good point in the story to stop and say, okay, here's the task. Now go try it before they, you know, you, you stopped at a certain point. I'm mm-hmm. wondering if, you know, if they're well, good. They, in the book, they do like the whole task with how many rings and where to break the rings. You see two options on one page and you have to turn the page to get the answer. Okay. And so, it doesn't say whether that's right or wrong. He just is like, it's a mental thing. Like if I break it here, then I get this. If I break it here and I get this. And that kind of encourages you, you to think through and cool. where's the best, which is the best ring to break. I like it. Some of these I, I'm thinking about, the, Ruth, how you have, we've done um, Week of Inspirational Math like mm-hmm. that. That could be a, a substitute for that kind of thing where it's really just about problem solving because mm-hmm. you, it seems like you're seeing a lot of his process. That's cool. Okay, my next one is another biography, kind of like Ruth's one about Emmy. Um, this one is called Mariam's Magic and the Story of Mathematician Mariam Mirzakhani. It's by Megan Reed and illustrated by Aliyah Jalil. And um, this it, Mariam is a is an Iranian American mathematician. And one of the things that I think is uh, two things right off I'll say about this one is that. The um, 
cover is really appealing. Like it yeah, looks like modern. There's, I'll show it to you, too, Ruth. Mm. There's geometry and, and drawing and doodling on the front. Um, and so the, the, the pictures are interesting, but also she's a, she's a, um, more modern or current mathematician than a lot of the books. There's, there are quite a few books, particularly about women that are biographies of mathematicians. I probably have eight or 10 of them in my, in my library. Yeah. But all of them are very much from the past or even like, you know, there's one about Catherine Johnson or, or a couple, but, but she is a much more recent, um, person and she she did pass away recently um but it's cool because it's not doesn't feel like it was a hundred years ago that she was doing her thing right um so it talks about and and much like ruth's i feel like the story is well written it's it's not super long and and super detailed so that that makes it you're able to read it to more groups of kids i feel like um so it talks about growing up in iran and she was she really was into stories and reading and storytelling and she thought she wanted to be a an author and she also um liked to draw a lot and it talks about her um having a really good friend um that she spent a lot of her time with and um, it even talks about like a point when she really did not like math and she was not into it. But then um, she, once she got into geometry, it was like the light bulb went off and she really liked it, hmm. um, which is funny because Adelie has that. She thinks she that's my daughter. She thinks she she's really into geometry. She She's like, oh, I can't wait for that. You know, that so was my, I, it, I really enjoyed geometry, too. Like yeah. getting there out of getting out of algebra or trig. And getting into geometry was a big thing for me. I've heard that a lot, even just from algebra and geometry teachers. Like, it almost feels like your students who really excel in algebra, geometry is like, yeah, I can do it, but it's not really my thing. Mm -hmm. And then it just feels like in high school you pick one. Hmm. Like, you either like algebra or you like geometry. Yeah. Um, the author connected it back to story. So she, it says, but geometry was different from any math she'd known before. Every number held a story. It made those numbers into shapes and those shapes into pictures. So they drew that connection. So she went on to enter a, a competition and she did really well. Um, and that kind of sealed her like, ooh, I'm, I'm into this. Maybe I, instead of being an author, I want to be a mathematician. Um, so she went to college in Iran and then ended up um, in the U.S. at Harvard for um, graduate school. And, um, you know, just talks about how she continues to draw and how that's an important part of what she does and, and like covering the floor of her house with with paper and just drawing and drawing and drawing um, talks about her daughter and how her daughter called her, uh, you know, when people asked her what she did, her mom called her up, her daughter called her a painter because I think that's oh. what she <laughs> saw her, yeah. her do all the time. Um, one of the things that she became interested in, I'm not going to really be able to explain this well, but um, is the path that something follows that she studied that and so there was this problem of like a billiard table a pool table and if you hit the ball in one direction and there was you know assuming there's no friction or whatever 
what does the path look like that it would continually follow and how long does it have to keep going until it, it covers Repeats. every single space? Oh, okay. Yeah, like fills up the whole space. So that's one of the things that she studied. That seems to be a very simplified version of what she did. Um, but <laughs> what? It's <laughs> fine. Um, and it, you know, it goes into a little bit of how her ideas have been used in other contexts. Um, so then she, in 2014, she wins the Fields Medal, um, the most important award in math. And she was the first woman to receive that um, award and the first Iranian person to ever receive that award, which is a big deal. Um, it talked about how she they, they celebrated her in Iran for that. And um, she... You know, there's pictures in the beginning where she's wearing a, a head covering, um, and then they were they celebrated her and her picture um, without a head covering, which was sort of like a big deal. Because I guess I'm assuming when she moved to the U.S. or maybe sooner, I'm not sure, she she stopped wearing a head covering, and um, it was just it just said like they they realized how important they were that she was by showing her without that, um, and so then. You find out that she, um, for three years, she was she had breast cancer, and so she kind of hid it, and, and most people didn't know, and so she died suddenly in 2017. Most people hadn't known that she was sick, um, and she was, you know, definitely celebrated. Um, and her her friend from, that talks about at the beginning. Uh, back from when she was in in school what is has also become a math professor and and sort of spoke about her and much like ruth's book the end has um an author's note and some important dates in her life and the author kind of talks about why she was interested in her story and wrote about her uh, so I, I liked it a lot um i'd heard about this mathematician marianne before um i think when her when she passed away i remember um, she was only better. 40. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's not only is it um, informational, but the story is the story is good and easy to read, easy to get engaged in. I like the how it you know brings in somebody who didn't love math from the very beginning, you know, and how your right. your thoughts on math can change. So that's Mariam's magic. That one I think was my favorite in the illustration. Yeah. What about it is well, it's it's a it's a color palette that's very appealing and, and like you said, modern. Yeah. And you know the the shapes and I don't know. It's just a I, don't, I can't I don't, I don't I can't explain it, but the style of, of the of the illustration yeah. and um yeah, I guess it's I'm gonna say more realistic, but I think you know the the illustrations of the people are meant to be definitely not not photorealistic, but mm-hmm. not caricatures or, or cartoons yeah the doodles in it and the kind yeah. of repeated mm-hmm. color palette is cool you're exactly right all right so i'm right. going to kind of group these three together for the sake of time okay. and just because they are similar first of all they all have the same author it's Stuart murphy and they are all done by math start so it says on the back of this book that he travels all over the U.S. to talk to thousands of kids about math. He shows kids math in their everyday worlds. And that's what all of these books are about. So this one is Safari Park. And the kids go to 
um, the park with a certain amount of tickets and they try to use their tickets the best way. And as you progress, um, Grandpa is in the book saying, well, you're going to use four for this and two for this and one for this. Then how many more do you need if this is your goal? So it's about finding the unknowns. All of his pictures are kind of very similar. They're very colorful. For me, because finding an unknown is a skill that I would teach, this is not necessarily a book that I would read out loud to the class because I don't know that it would keep them engaged, but it's definitely something I would put in a center and let a student read it and um, figure out the math in the back. There's a lot of activities in the back for what you can do afterwards. So Stuart Murphy's done a really good job of producing these books that they're heavy on math. It's not really a necessary, necessarily a story like these other ones we've talked about, but they're, I like that, I mean, this one talks about equivalent values. And so you read it and you're, you're trading dinosaur cards, but it tells you that here in the corner um, where some mm -hmm. of the other books, you have to read it to know if it's the one you want, which is the other thing I was going to say. This is so beneficial to just, not that teachers have this, you know, crazy amount of time, but to go to the library and read these books and then create some kind mm -hmm. of a list of these are the books that would work well in my classroom. So, yeah. Stuart Murphy. Um, these yeah. are the three that we that we talked about. But like I said, they're very, they're very similar. He just does a good job of making them heavy on math. Yeah, we 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 purchase maybe all of the ones that oh, he has okay. has created because, you know, I think you're right. I think it's a good resource for teachers. You know, they're like like you said the the fact that it labels right on the outside what it's for um, and helps you teach something very specific. So, yeah. Jay, you want to do one more? Yeah, one more. Um, I had one called Dozens of Donuts, and it's about this bear who is cooking some donuts. This is pretty complicated stuff. Um, <laughs> this bear named Luann, who's um, making donuts so she can eat a bunch of donuts right before she hibernates. Okay. Um, so Luann gets out her stuff, and she's making the donuts, and then she's got this little rhyme that she's singing, uh, kind of like a little uh, rhyme or poem in her head of, and I got my dozen donuts for me to eat. And then ding dong, somebody comes to the door and it's her buddy. Who knows from the forest? Uh, there's several that end up coming through the story. So each time she, you know, splits the donuts with them is about to eat. And then zip, ding dong, somebody else comes in. So she gives them hers and she ends up making like four or five batches of donuts. Each time a dozen, they say that in the, in the little poem or in the little um, song she sings. Well, it turns out everybody in the forest comes and eats up all her donuts and she doesn't get any. Aww. And then she just pitches a fit and everybody's like, yow, and they leave because there's a bear pitching a fit in this house. <laughs> um, and she's, you know, she's got no more donuts. She's got no more stuff to make a donut and she's about to hibernate and she is starving. Um, and then all of a sudden her friends come back and they bring all the ingredients to make more donuts. Aww. And so they, like the, the different people, the different animals, friends, do all the steps, the measuring, the baking, the this, that, you know, and and they all eat a bunch more donuts and everybody's happy and they can go hibernate. Um, th this one was not nearly as uh, overtly math. Like there was not like, pause, here's a problem. Can you figure it out? Yeah. Um, 
it was just stuff mixed in. I don't I don't think this was written to be a math centric storybook. It just okay. happens to have some good. Well, maybe it was, but it did. If it it just didn't stick out like the the problems in the the first two that I'd read. Okay. Um, it does. You know, it's, you can talk about it with with fair share, and you can see she has twelve donuts. So when the first person comes over, they each have a plate of six. And then the next person, you know, they each have a plate of six and she goes and makes more. And then there's three of them. They, you know, they divide them again and then they divide them again. Um, the thing is, she just never gets hers because somebody else comes over. Yeah. Um, you know, counting by dozens or skip counting or talking about dozens. Um, that's a, you know, a, I don't know what you call that. It's not a, it's like a number, but it's referred to as a, as a word. I don't know if there's a word for it, like a dozen or a gross a or unit. a decade or whatever, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, and so you can go over that. Also, measurement. They don't focus on the measurement. It's not like they say a quarter a cup of this and a half a teaspoon of this. But that does play a big role every time she makes the donuts is the measurement and working on how, you know, her, you know, going through her recipe to make more donuts. And at the end, she does get some donuts. Um, also, when you're making donuts, just don't answer the door. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good advice. And I want to know how they ate so many donuts. These these you know forest animals must have eaten. You're not interested in hundreds hundreds of donuts in this book. I don't know how they're not just like sick. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, it makes me think about the doorbell rang. Mm. Yeah, Do you know that I was story about that. And how it it's it's a new it's a new book. Is it published in maybe two in 2020? I think this one. Um, well, let me look. Oh, I forgot to say that it is written by Carrie Fennison, illustrated by Brianne Farley. Okay. And it is twenty twenty. Yes. Yeah. So, I f the doorbell rang is a great story like this, where people keep showing up and they keep fair sharing. Um, and but the, I'm going to say the pictures are a little bit dated, and not that that's definitely not a reason not to read a story. Um, but this is kind of the same story just the pictures are new and and at the first page the opening page with all the donuts on it was very appealing to me like on the inside front cover did you see that oh yeah and they're like labeled and numbered yeah. in the different kinds of donuts it's i did a, i did and it's in that. an array yeah so i am sitting here dork. thinking what if you you rewrote that story as a class with 11 donuts and if mm. you rewrote that with the prime number there would always be a donut left over. Yeah. Or somebody who gets shortchanged. Right? But you could talk about yeah, the bear wouldn't not. have ended up without any if you give your two guests the same amount. So an opportunity for mm -hmm. fractions. Um, did oh, I'm going to admit I just sort of skimmed like it. No, I just okay. want to ask you a question about how. So there's 12 clearly you can split it with two people and three people and four people when four friends showed or was there a point where four friends showed up so there were five people and what happened at that point they they didn't usually talk about the the share that each student that each animal got okay you just saw them on a plate okay um after a while it just kind of generalized somebody else came over so okay. we made some more donuts and they got some they didn't they didn't point out now everybody has three yeah so um, that leaves an opportunity to do to do mm -hmm. the math at those points, you know? Yeah. Because it does show the pictures of how many on each plate. I right. like that. It, it does. And like, like when it's six and six, it's obvious. And then a friend comes over and then they get down that's four, four and four. Mm -hmm. um, then somebody else comes over. 
and then it's three, 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 and three, then ding dong, and then they come in, and at that point, it's not, it's not really sorted out anymore. Huh. It's kind of. So you could kind of talk about why. Why did the author and illustrator all of a sudden like stop following this pattern of plate, 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 equal um, amounts on each one, too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Hold on. What? Did you misunderstand? No. I just realized that when the fourth person comes over, what happens is the bear always gives up her plate. So it's still divisible by four, and she's making new. Then it's twins that come over. So they skip five and go to six. <laughs> That's so cool. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to that when I was reading it. Okay. So you could. They there. don't talk about it and they don't say, oh, you know, everybody gets two. They just show the people in the kitchen eating donuts and going everywhere. Yeah. And meanwhile, Louie and the Bears over there making more so donuts. So that makes me feel like the author really did intend to write a math yeah. book. Well, they, they, I, I agree. And I <laughs> think just it was, snuck it, in it was there. hidden well in a good story. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm checking our time. I had two more in my pile, but what should I do? Should I talk about them or should I just Well, maybe we can catch back save it? later. I don't know that we have time for okay. two more. All right. So yeah, that means you have to come back. <laughs> All right. Um, any quick takeaways? I've enjoyed so this. So I ordered That's a not book. my takeaway. That should count as a takeaway. Yes. <laughs> totally. You have a you have a tangible takeaway. Jay Private, you got a takeaway? Um I I don't know. I, I really liked the dirt cheap book. I, th I thought it was, uh, it was my favorite, and it was it was kind of. I don't know. It was following this one person, and in, in this case, a young person, um, and I, I just liked the story and her learning stuff along the way, and and the, um, the narrator talking, and, and it was kind of a, I don't know. It was just kind of she was learning her lesson all along through the story, and it wasn't. Uh, I don't know. It, I, I just, I just enjoyed, I just enjoyed that one. It reminded me of, um, I don't know why, but maybe the the animation, the great old big head on this kid. Um, my favorite book uh, from, I guess not when I was young, young, but the remarkable Farkle McBride, which is about a musician. But you know, it's always the next thing. No, it finds another thing. He has to figure out how to, you know, why he can't do this and why he doesn't like this instrument and that kind of thing. So it reminded me of that with sort of illustration, sort of the story. She kept running into problems that she had to solve. Mm -hmm. Cool. I think that, um, I don't know, my takeaway is just I'm thinking about what makes a good math story, you know, and yeah. and how there's math. I think there's there's math in in a real life, as much of a real life situation as possible. I, I happen to like the ones with people. Um, I happen to like... Well, I happen to have realized, just like in everyday books, that it's really hard to find um, representation of people that are not white in, in books. And so some those are some of the best, you know, it's, it's great to find ones that, that fit that. Um, I don't know. I just, we you want the math to be to be in there, and but not too obvious and too forced and too teachery. All right, so check out these books. And if you have other favorites that you want to share with us, let us sure. know. And uh, will I see you on a run tomorrow, Ruth? Um, sure, we can do it. <laughs> okay. All right, see you on a run. All right. <laughs> Bye.